0: I mean, you know that it's very natural for us to experience endings. I know in my lifetime there's been things that I thought would last forever, only to come face to face with the fact that they were cut off. Some expectantly, some unexpectedly. Anybody in the room ever feel some sense of frustration or fatigue because you worked hard at keeping something going and it did not seem to turn out like you planned? We're in the middle of Advent, and I think there is a whole lot of people this year in December that's looking back on January of 2020 and made New Year's resolutions, preached sermons about big dreams for 2020, and nothing really turned out exactly the way they planned because nobody expected a global global pandemic. Nobody expected economic crisis. As I was preparing for this message, I realized that one of my friends and pastors that pastors in L.A. County told me, he said, as of this week, one out of every five people in Los Angeles have lost their job. And by the end of January, one out of every four will have lost their job. You realize there are people this year that thought certain things in their dreams. There's business people that started a business in February. To shut it down three weeks after they started. Because endings are a reality. Oftentimes, it's when we encounter those endings that we come face to face with ourselves and with things we didn't even know about ourselves. How many of you know that what begins oftentimes as a love story at the altar? For some people has become a very big nightmare in a courtroom when it ended. For some what began as a holding of a child in a delivery room that was such an incredible gift ended up becoming so painful as you dealt with all the issues of children that have difficult lives. Things were cut off. Does anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? there are businesses that begin with grand opening signs that somehow now even the going out of business sign is decayed. What's that all about? I watched athletes who had incredible opportunities, one injury, take them out of not only their season but out of a potential career. I want to draw your attention to one of the great Advent passages that Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came, talked about. And he talked about this Messiah, this coming king, this one who had the capacity to shift the world in ways that men, mankind never thought possible. Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 1, says it this way. They're going to put the scripture on the screen for me it says a branch will grow from a stump of a tree that was cut down wow let me say that one more time a branch will grow from the stump of a tree that was cut down let me try it one more time and a branch will grow from the stump of a tree that was cut down. That's the promise you and I have today. Do you have that picture for me, guys? Can you put up that picture for me? That's what he's saying. Out of the stump of a tree, there's going to come a branch. Isaiah's declaring that in difficulty and challenging environments there is going to be the possibility of new life I have good news this morning for every ending there is the possibility of a new beginning a new beginning let me tell you what Isaiah is talking to because his prophetic word in Isaiah 11 was not just pointed towards Bethlehem. It was actually a word to the people in that day as well as having significance about the Messiah. Because see up until that point Israel had been a very proud nation. It was particularly proud and boastful about its pedigree and the fact that it was invincible. Because see they had a king several hundred years earlier named David and David had gotten a word saying there'll never be an end to your throne. There'll never be somebody lacking to sit on the throne of David. So the nation believed, you know what, we're gonna last forever. We're gonna be here forever. There's nobody that can defeat us because God's told us that the throne of David will never lack for somebody to sit on it. But now all of a sudden the northern kingdom has split off and has been pretty much taken totally over into exile. And now Judah, where Isaiah is, is under an attack by the Assyrians. To the point, listen to me, to the point that most historians call what happened in Isaiah chapter 11, the first great holocaust of the Jewish people. Because they were not just being taken into captivity as slaves, they were literally being annihilated. You could say it this way, they were being cut off. They'd been cut down. The tree had been sawn off. Everything they thought was going to stand forever. Forever all of a sudden got, got cut down. Jesus comes along in John 16, and he makes this statement. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. There's going to be things that's going to challenge you, things that are going to cause suffering. There's going to be things that's going to cause hardship and, and difficulties. But he finishes that statement with this. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. I want to say boldly to somebody today because I I felt so strong about this. I couldn't even hardly sleep last night because I heard the Lord say to me, there are people who have had incredible endings in their life, but I want to show them how to be of good cheer because I'm about to bring some new beginnings into their life. Because even in the midst of devastation, there are the signs of a possible future. Two things stick out. I'm not going to preach long. Two things are going to stick out in this passage. Here's the first one. There's always a limitation to what you and I think is a guarantee. Let me try that one more time. There's always a limitation to what you and I think is a guarantee. You ever had somebody get you to make an inv- a financial investment in something, and they say to you, "This is a surefire guarantee." Yeah, you know, that's someplace I've lost thousands of dollars. Sometimes it was a guarantee until it was no longer guaranteed. Hmm? You ever you ever made plans? You thought these will always. This is going to work no matter what I do. This is going to work only to find out it didn't work. See, they were children of Abraham, they were descendants of David, and now all of a sudden they're face to face with the fact that their pedigree, their heritage, their well-laid plans, or in the words of a great poet, the best laid plans of men and mice, it all fell apart. And it's amazing that even with our best plans, our best structures, our best opportunities, our biggest dynasties, our greatest businesses, and our incredible dreams, they all seem feeble and have the capacity to decay in certain environments. But here's what man does man works harder to try to hustle, to manipulate to keep whatever it is I dreamed up going. We'll try it three different ways. If it didn't work the first time, try harder the second time. Only to find out that the more effort I put forth, the greater I have to stare at a stump because what I've been dreaming about got cut off. And I come to tell somebody today, I, I, I know I'm talking to somebody in this room, that there are things in your life that you had aspirations for that all of a sudden it looked like it was no longer there, or maybe maybe it was a marriage, maybe it was a business, maybe it was something else in life that you just said, I, I, I want something more in my life, and I reached for it, but it looked like it didn't work. But here, here I want to say something to you. And you faced yourself... With, With emptiness, you say, man, I'm empty. God let me down. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Emptiness is never a sign that God is not working in your life. Sometimes we have to come face to face with the reality that my emptiness is not a work of the enemy. It's the work of God to reveal the faulty foundations I've been building on. I don't have any amens anywhere. No shouts. How many of you know that God will bring you face to face with yourself? And here's what I found out. Is that God will never expose me to shame me. But God will convict me to change me. And some of what you're feeling is not Shame, it's the reality that everything I've tried to make my life to be is not working. And I want, to, I want to share some good news with people because, see, there's a lot of people show up in church every week with emptiness on the inside of their life because God's trying to get them to be awakened to the beginning He has for them rather than continuing to put energy and effort and resource into things that He never ordained for their life. And so He's allowed them to come to a point where it looks like everything in my life has been cut off. I don't really see a future. Things I thought would last. I don't know if they're going to last. And you say, can that really happen? Listen, that happened to me as a preacher. I know it happens to every one of us in our lifetime because we come face to face with the reality that I'm still not building what he designed me to build. How many of you know the, 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 the word we don't use much in church anymore is the word conviction? Conviction. Do you feel any conviction? But that's really a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the work of the preacher. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, that preacher made me feel guilty. No, no, no. Probably what was happening is the Holy Spirit was convicting you of the fallacy and the shallowness of your own life. Because the word convict means to convince. To convince. We have to be convinced that what I've been chasing is futile. I have to be convinced that what I've been building on is sinking sand. Sometimes God has to show up in my life and convince me that the house I'm building is a house made of cards. And Isaiah was saying to a group of people, you know what, you feel like you're encountering the worst days of your life. But what you think is the worst days of your life and the most empty days of your life and the most challenging days of your life are in turn going to become the greatest days of your life. Because you find out what ended only gave rise to the possibility of something to begin. Could it be? Could it be? That our sense of expectancy, our passionate desire—maybe you know—I talk to people about this, this, this Advent season we're in. Advent means an expected arrival. Something's coming. You realize something's on the way. And I, I ask people, what are you expecting this year? And they're going, man, I just want to, I just want to get through. I can't wait to turn the calendar. I say, you got to be looking for more than January. Come on, I need some help. you got to be looking for more than January because January is not going to change anything. From December 31st to January 1st, something is not magically going to shift because we changed the year. What are you really looking for? What are you standing up on your tiptoes going? I sense there's something coming. Where I'm at is not working. It's not fulfilling. There's an emptiness on the inside of me. But I'm not in futility. I have an expectation. I have a passionate desire. Something is coming my way. But could it be that we don't have any real expectation because we don't really feel we need anything? I've I've preached long enough to recognize that oftentimes people who don't believe they need a Savior don't really rejoice over one. And people that don't believe they need a problem solver don't really rejoice over one. And people that don't need a way maker, when we sing that song, it's just words on a screen. But to those who've had dreams that didn't work, for those who've had success that didn't fulfill them, for those who've been through broken places and know what it means to feel the anxiety of struggle, to those people, when you say to them, there's one coming who is able to open prison doors and set at liberty them that are bound and give recovery of sight to the blind. To them, something leaps on the inside that I can have a new beginning out of what's been cut off. Yeah. Because in reality, there are limitations to everything I believed was a guarantee. Do you know how many people built their life on a career, a business, a marriage, only to have it fall apart and be cut down in front of them? In fact, it may be the very thing God's using to awaken us to an expectation. For him, I want to show you a video. It's the video of my son in law and my daughter because this series of messages is called the Stories of Christmas. These stories have been amazing. But I want to take you to one that was very, very real to our family that happened a few years ago. Let's watch this.
1: This Christmas, we're talking about stories at the gate. And it's just been an incredible time just reflecting on how all of our stories get God involved in our lives. And uh, everybody's story consists of different kinds of seasons and twists and turns. One thing that everybody's story consists of too is just unexpected events. Just kind of, we call them crisis sometimes. Things that we didn't see coming, we didn't expect. We call them storms and you guys' story Uh, consist of some times in your life that can definitely, you know, be classified as just a crisis or uh, something you didn't see coming. But God has a way of redeeming those moments and bringing hope out of them, even when they're painful moments and they're difficult moments. So why don't you guys talk to us a little bit this morning about your story and what that's looked like for you guys.
2: I could start in probably 2011. I decided to pursue a golf career. And uh, so I was, I was killing it. I was at the golf course three, four times <laughs> a week mm-hmm. practicing and I got really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went into South Florida and played at a uh, 2012 national championship uh, amateur and actually won it. Wow. So I decided to turn professional mm-hmm. in 2013. <laughs>
1: And, and that uh, gave me the opportunity to tell people that I was friends with the pro golfers. Yeah. That, so, yeah, so,
2: <laughs> yeah, so I, was, I was practicing. I was getting really good. And uh, I was actually headed uh, in 2015 to Texas, to Dallas, to play in a tournament. And uh, I got on the highway, high, highway 35, got behind a semi truck, and uh, his wheels were smoking. I decided to try to pass him. And they came off the axle, the whole axle and wheels just came off, hit the front of my truck, sent me straight up in the air, landed on the roof and was thrown out, wow. hit the ground at 65, 70 miles an hour.
1: Your body literally hit the ground. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah.
2: Hit the ground. I, you know, multiple broken ribs, both lungs collapsed, mm. messed my back up, my shoulder. So I was, had to be airlifted and uh, I was taken to the hospital and it just, it just began a really long recovery process. I
1: mean, one day, one moment, everything changes.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, uh, when Jason's accident occurred, I got a phone call from a man on his phone, from a man named Eric. And um, the man said his name, and then he said to me, your husband's been in a car accident. All I can tell you is that he's alive and breathing. And I was like, okay, this was on Jason's phone. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So I asked him where he was at, he told me, and then he, I said, I've got to get off the phone because I've got to call my family because it was a couple of hours away from Oklahoma City. You know, it was right after Affecting Destiny. Mm-hmm. And um, I tried to call everybody I know. So one morning, nobody answered their phone. And um, I, I said to my dad, we've got to go down here. We've got to get we've got to get to Jason. You know, he's in a car accident. And I kept trying to call Jason's phone back to connect with this man, Eric, and never could reach this guy. And so we end up, about an hour and a half later, I get a phone call from the state trooper, who says, you know, your husband's been in a car accident. I said, yeah, I know, I'm actually on I-35, a man named Eric at the scene called me. And the man said, "Um, no, ma'am, that's not so. (laughs) And I said, "Uh, yes, sir, it is so. I said, I know that because I'm on I-35 headed, and I named where the accident was at. And he said, um, no, we found your husband's phone buried in dirt about 40 feet from him. Wow. There is nobody that's had his phone. I put it on top of him when he was airlifted. And um, I said, well, I'm telling you, a man named Eric called me. And um, anyway, fast forward in this journey and we find out that um, we been in the middle of things having to be figured out. And I look at our phone records and the phone never called me from his Mm -hmm. phone but there's a record of the phone calling my phone on our AT&T phone records Mm -hmm. and it was like God just prompted me and said I went before you I'm with him I was with him there Mm -hmm. I'm with him now and it was so important to my personal journey because Mm -hmm. I was watching him in so much pain
2: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it was it was hard I mean it was a a long hard recovery and during that process I kind of made this I kind of got a Revelation on my personal priorities yeah. and how much emphasis I was putting into golf. I mean, it was it was at the top of my list, mm-hmm. above God, above my family. So wow. I just remember on that ground thinking, "Man, golf, golf can't save me right now." Mm. <laughs> yeah. Golf. Sorry. Mm. It's true.
3: That's powerful. I remember you saying that you felt like the presence of god was with you in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and I'm and I will never forget looking at him in the hospital. He was he was hooked up to every kind of tube possible and he looked at me and he said, "I know angels were beside me today. Yeah. I know angels were beside me."
2: Yeah. was incredible. Sure. Yeah, I had I had four nurses and two doctors on the scene within minutes. It was just a
1: true miracle. People that happened to be on the
2: road. They just happened to be on
3: the road. And it was just like God ordained it. And in that season, there were so many ups and downs and roller coaster rides, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were so many things. We could take a whole hour on on our story on this because Mm -hmm. of just what God's done. But I know for me, I just kept coming back and reassuring myself that God was with us. Mm-hmm. That yeah. this was not something that God did,
0: mm-hmm. but He
3: was there. Yeah. yeah. He was For there. Sure. That He was there and kept Him alive. He was there and kept Him from falling in, into traps of true, like overtaking Him in depression. Like mm-hmm. God kept just showing up. He yeah. really was Emmanuel, God with wow. us.
2: Wow. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I'm a, I'm a totally new person. Wow. Uh, it was one of the worst and best things that ever happened to me yeah
3: and probably to our marriage i mean Mm -hmm. we had a really great marriage we've we've Mm -hmm. always had one we're great friends we enjoy being together Mm -hmm. i mean you know probably more than we should sometimes we enjoy it but for us we had never encountered something that took you to rock bottom Mm -hmm. where like you don't know the person who's sitting across from you Mm -hmm. like they're not the person you married Mm -hmm. and and I remember thinking, God, only you can give me the capacity to keep saying yes to this because it was so unknown. We were in such a difficult place. We had so many doctors and mm-hmm. so much um, post post-traumatic stress and Jason didn't sleep well and we were up at nights and we had medications and things for everything. I mean, right. it was it just felt yeah. so overwhelming surgery after surgery. And I remember just saying to myself, this is a season I get to focus on us on building us stronger, yeah. building us better. Don't you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Our communication changed. Right. Mm-hmm. Our ability to be vulnerable with one another changed. And so God redeemed it in a lot of ways. So yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, for you, it's sort of a new person, a new, you know, and, and for you guys together, it's like a new marriage. Yeah.
2: So my advice to anyone and everyone was don't wait until your life hangs in the balance or you're in this major crisis moment uh, to put God at the at the top of your priority list
1: that is so incredible how your stories you know Jason one thing you said is that it was the worst thing and the best thing that ever happened to you guys you know you're 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 here six years later saying I'm I'm a different person and we have a better more flourishing more healthy marriage than we've ever had in our lives Even you, Amanda, experienced transformation as a woman and as a wife by walking with your husband through that trial. And so all of our stories, uh, you know, when we give them to God, those moments that we don't see coming, He redeems them and makes something more beautiful out of them.
0: Worship team, come on. There's a couple of things that Jason says in that story, and one of them is, is that it was the worst thing and the best thing. You know, my question today is, when I come face to face with the limitations of what I thought was a guarantee, is that a bad day or is that really a good day? It might be a painful day. But it's the best day of your life because you come to realize there might be more than what I'm trusting in. I remember that Jason had reached a point after he won the national amateur tournament that everybody then wanted him everywhere. And it was like, this is a guarantee. This guy is going to do well they'd already, I don't think I would be exposing anything, they'd already begun to talk about what a professional golf career could mean to them financially and every other way. What would this mean? But what was a guarantee? Just a few miles from the Texas border on I-35 it was like somebody took a power saw and cut a tree down. And now the fight is not for a golf career. Now the fight's for a life. Jeremiah speaks to this same thing that Isaiah speaks to. And he speaks to it in Jeremiah 29. Very familiar passage. Listen to me closely. Here's what he says. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans that will bless you, they're filled with good, and they won't harm you. Watch the language. They'll give you a hope and a future. Somebody say that with me. They'll give me a hope and a future. See, the first thing out of that observation I wanted you to know is that there's limitations to what has seemingly been guaranteed. But the second thing I want you to know is I want you to understand that there is an invitation into things you never thought were possible. That's what Isaiah was saying. When you look at a stump, you think it's over. It's finished. It's done. But here's what he said. He said, there'll come a branch up out of the stump. Something's going to rise out of what you thought was cut off. You come from Columbia and feel like the tree got cut down. And all of a sudden, God says, no, I can bring life out of a dead stump. You end up in something that you felt like my whole world fell apart. And then all of a sudden, a branch begins to rise up there's a sign that there's hope coming forth don't miss this Isaiah Isaiah and Jeremiah both give us this promise please don't miss this here's the promise Jeremiah said it this way I will give you a hope how many of you know that when when everything's going up in smoke the one thing everybody needs is hope if there's anything we needed in 2020 we needed hope because hope is the earnest expectation that something good's coming my way it's the belief that no matter what tomorrow may look like, something good's coming my way. But watch this. Jeremiah said, I not only will give you a hope, please don't miss this. Don't miss this online. He said, I not only will give you a hope, I'll give you a future. You say, "What is it? what do you mean, Bishop? Here's what I'm talking about. Tomorrow and a future are not the same. We'll try that one more time. Tomorrow and the future are not the same. See, there are some people that believe they're going to have a future without God, with or without God. No matter what happens, I'm going to have a future. I'm going to be here tomorrow. I'm still going to be here. Guess what? You can step into tomorrow, but you may not step into your future. Because it is possible to step into another day and not step into what your future is all about because see what's this the calendar will give you another day only god can give you a future because there's a lot of people that change calendar dates but stayed locked up in the present locked up in the past they're still living in places and things that were part of their previous belief system part of defeats part of old issues parts of limitations but I am here to announce to you today that every place that death has been working in you the resurrected life of Christ is about to appear and he's offering you an invitation not only to have hope but he's offering you an invitation into the future he's saying we you step into the future by believing me and trusting me because I know the plans I have for you says the Lord hallelujah do you know what that means here's what that means that means God I'm I'm gonna blow some people's theology I know out of the water it's okay God did not plan your future You say well god knows where i'm going to be on thursday well god is omniscient so god is all-knowing but god didn't plan your Thursday. he planned the pathway i'm going to try that again he pan he planned the pathway but guess what when you get to an intersection you can take another route if you want to So He didn't plan your life for you. He didn't say, well, God intended for me to do this or God intended for me to do that. Maybe not so. Some of what we got to, we got to by our own bad decision making, our own lack of wisdom, our own unwillingness to listen to other people. And we made our own pathway rather than choosing the plan and the path that He had chosen for us. But let's get big picture. God said, I have a plan for you. And the plan for you is not that you'll work at Hobby Lobby. The plan for you is a person. It's a person named Jesus. So whether you work for AT&T or Hobby Lobby or the school system, it makes no difference because he will be the source that makes life come alive in you again. Not where you live, who's your family members, how much money you got in the bank. Your source of life is a person. He is the branch that came up out of a dead stump. Hallelujah. Whoo. You know what that means? That means that Jesus when he came and went to a cross, he looked like a stump. It looked like heaven's possibilities had been cut off. But this is what's so powerful to us on Christmas is that the cross is not the end of the story. I want to tell people all the time, don't leave him in the manger. That's just how he got here. I realize it's cute for you to walk around with a little baby at Christmas time and talk about the baby Jesus, but he's not a baby. Don't leave him in a manger. And don't don't leave him at the temple as a 12 year old, confounding the scholars. And please don't leave him on the hillsides of Galilee working miracles and feeding fish and loaves. He's more than a rabbi. He's more than just a great miracle worker. We had those in the Old Testament. Please don't leave him on the cross. I realize it might make for great jewelry for you to have a Jesus on the cross hanging around your neck. But please don't leave him on the cross because all of those places have limitations. They can be cut off. The miracles were cut off. The voice was cut off. The life was cut off. But somebody go with me this morning to an empty tomb because when the stump had said death cannot be broken up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph or his foes up came a life out of the midst of death and he says to us today if you will trust my creative regenerating power I can bring life out of every place in you that death has been working if you believe that get on your feet and clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph Oh, oh, oh. auditorium, I want everybody online I want to be able to pray with people today some of you have stayed at the last disappointment don't stay there you stayed attached to the last place of failure don't stay there something may have come in your life and cut the tree down God has the ability to bring life out of death. Some of you stayed in a place of sin. And really what you're feeling, the voice of God talking to you about all week long, it's conviction that my life is not everything it was meant to be. And while God has not planned out where I'm going to eat lunch today or where I'm going to eat breakfast tomorrow, he has prepared a pathway for me to walk on. And that path, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. That's the plan God has for us. How would I survive my disappointments of 2020? Jesus. How would I get over a broken relationship? Jesus. How would I survive an economic turndown? Jesus. You say, Bishop, it's got to be more. It's like Jesus plus what? What do I need to do? No, 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 no. No, no. Jesus is the plan. It's all the religious nature in us that wants to make us create other hoops for people to jump through. But I'm here to announce to you today that the babe of Bethlehem, the suffering savior of the cross, the resurrected Christ is the branch that came out of a stump to prove to the world I can make dead things live. And he that believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Will you put your confidence in him today? Will you be convinced that everything that you do to make it work probably won't work? And everything he's done is the way to make it work? I want to pray for people all over the room and people that are online today if you're here and you don't know Jesus personally I want to just pray with you because listen to me closely it would be futile for you and I to have gifts under a tree and a life that never has received the real gift of life the greatest gift ever given didn't come from Von Marr or to me or an automobile company the greatest gift ever gained came, came from heaven the old songwriter said I owed a debt I couldn't pay but he paid a debt he didn't know. he came to save my life he rescued me you say how do I know if I need Jesus well if you wished I'd hurry up and end this service that's probably a pretty good sign Like, can I hurry up and get out of here? Because see, the reality is, listen, my voice will be ending in just a moment and you can go on about your day. But I got, here's what I've prayed today. The same voice that's talking to you right now is going to speak to you in your car. It's going to speak to you in your bedroom. It's going to speak to you in your office. Because is there anything I can do, I'm going to get in front of you and try to stand between you and running off the end of a cliff that's going to destroy your life forever. And I'm saying today, here's all I want to do. I want to pray simple prayer with you. And that is to say, Jesus, I trust your life more than I trust mine. I trust your life in me more than I trust my ability to keep my life alive. And I'm going to put my confidence in you. Be the life that comes out of dead things in me today. And if you do that, Jesus is going to touch your life in a supernatural way. There may be some people in the room, maybe you have already given your life to Christ, but you're living in a dead moment. You're living in a cut-off place. And you need resurrection life to work in you. I'm going to invite you to join me as well. When I get to three, if you're here and you say, Bishop, that's me. I want new life to begin in me. I've, I've had an ending. I've come to the end of myself. I've come to the end of my plans. I've come to the end of everything I could do. But I'm asking you to pray for me today that Jesus will give me a new beginning. He'll be the branch out of a stump so I can really have a future. When I get to three, if that's you, lift your hand high. Wherever you are, all over the building, online, you just go in the chat line and tell somebody you're getting ready to pray with me. One, two, three. Hands go up all over the room, wherever you're at. Just lift your hand high. I want to pray with you. Everybody all over the room, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, you. Thank you. I see you. You can put your hand down. Just pray, everybody in the building, would you join with me? I'm going to ask our prayer teams, if they will, just real quickly to come. Stand here at the front. Would you pray this prayer with me? Father. In the, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today, I
3: thank you today
0: that Jesus Christ, that
3: Jesus Christ
0: is, alive, is alive. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of God. And He died for me. And he died for me. And He's alive today. He's alive today. And, I'm asking you, Jesus, and I'm asking you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Come into my life. Be the life, be the life that lives in me. That lives in me. I, turn my life I turn my life over to you. Over to you. Live in me. Live in me. I trust you today. I trust you. In your name I pray. In your name I pray. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray today for people all over the room that just lifted their hands. I pray for people online that are watching. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to give them the courage to completely trust Jesus today. And life transformation and regeneration will take place. In them today, in Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. Here's what I want you to do. Listen, I want to do this. Pastor Jay is getting ready to come to dismiss our service. Prayer teams, please listen to me. When people come for prayer, I want you to take them. We've created a prayer space right behind that curtain right there. Clift will open that curtain, and you can take people to there to pray with them so you can have a private moment with them. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, please, don't leave this building. If you just lifted your hand, pray that prayer with me. I need about five minutes of your time. We just need to seal that today by the Holy Spirit. If you lifted your hand or you prayed that prayer with me for the first time, would you just come and let one of our prayer teams pray with you? Step out from wherever you are. Come on. All over the building. Come on. People are coming. Just come. Come on, guys. Come on, church. Let's give the Lord great praise today. Come on. I need ushers. Help me, please. Direct these people. Come on. Here we go. Let's go. Wherever you're at. Come on. Come on. I'm going to wait just a moment. Make sure you take them right on. Go ahead, okay? Praise the Lord. Thank you. Come on, church. We need to give the Lord a whole lot bigger praise than that. Here's what I'm praying for you today. The 2020 will end with you understanding that you have life. Death is not reigning in you. Life is reigning in you and that more abundantly, in Jesus' name. Christmas Eve, would you would you bring every person you know that needs Jesus Christmas Eve with you? It's a one-hour service at 5 o'clock. Lord, really put something in my heart, and I believe that has been designed for that night. I encourage you to be here at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. I love you.